Good morning, everybody. I'm going to set this here. Oh, well, it's very nice to see everybody's faces this morning. Thank you so much for being here. Awesome. Awesome. So as those of you who have been attending regularly, Ross has been leading us through a series on Ephesians, uh, but occasionally we're going to have a small break. Somebody else is going to speak. So this morning, that's me. So I'm not going to be continuing in Ephesians. However, I really feel the topic that God put on my heart to share this morning is a really good uh, stepping off from what he was ta- Ross, Ross was talking about last week. So I'm excited to get into that. Uh, for those of you who know me, uh, I've got four kids. Uh, parenting is definitely a challenge, right? It's, it's one of the hardest jobs in the world. Um, but it has a lot of joy in it as well. There are a lot of things about it that are just so much fun. And uh, for me personally, one of the things I've got to really enjoy um, as my kids, uh, as they've grown up, is really getting into sports with the kids. Uh, when I, I wasn't a huge, amazing athlete, if you can't tell by my physique, but I, I enjoyed playing baseball when I was younger. So one of the things I've really got to enjoy, especially as Aiden, who's my eldest, has grown up, is getting to play baseball with him. So, you know, I can remember back when he was just a toddler and it started with him just being a few feet away and, you know, you're tossing the ball and he'd throw it back. And as he grew older, you know, we're getting further apart and I'm, I'm going from throwing underhand to overhand and teaching him, throw, you know, doing drills, catching grounders. Uh, we go to the diamond and I'm hitting ground balls to him now and pop flies and, you know, it, it is just so much fun. I got to say, as a dad, that is just awesome. I love it. And... Uh, I guess it was a few years ago, he started playing hardball. And I played hardball one year, um, but mostly I played softball. And I think hardball is a little bit harder than softball. So I was a little surprised he wanted to uh, to do it. And I was like, wow, okay, Aiden, yeah, go for it, buddy. Let's, let's see how you do. And he loved it. He thrived in it. Um, he wasn't the best player on the team, but he was pretty good. And right from the first year, he even said, I want to try pitching. I was like, really? You want to try pitching? That's like your center of attention, all the pressure's on you. So much of the game rides on the pitcher, right? But he wanted to do it. And I got to tell you guys, as I was watching him, the pride that you feel as a dad, I was just like, oh, man, that's my boy out there. He didn't pitch perfect games. You know, not every threw a ball or he threw was a strike. You know, there were a lot of walks, but he did pretty well. Regardless of how he did, I just loved watching him play. And so for the last three years, I've watched him Play the first year I got to watch or got to help coach his team even, and I really liked that because part of what I enjoy watching him play, like I enjoy watching him play, but I also enjoy helping him. And uh, I only got to coach the first year. Uh, his second and third year, uh, I was just too busy, couldn't coach. But here's the thing: you you can't take the coach out of you once you've once you've done it. And as his dad, so I'd be up in the stands and he'd be playing. And after he'd be up at bat or maybe out in the field, I'd be down at the bench. I'd be like, hey, buddy, that was awesome. You're doing so well. Oh, I love watching this. Now, here's just a little, little tip. You know, make sure you keep those elbows up. Remember the power's coming from your hips when you're swinging. And, you know, next time that single may even be a double. Like, this is just amazing. You're doing so well. And I'd encourage him. And I'd be giving him tips. And I, I couldn't help it. You know, just as the game's going on. I wasn't the coach, but I couldn't stop doing that uh, because I just loved it. And I enjoyed watching him play. So this morning, I think, is a little bit like that. See, I think God uh, looks at us, and he's like, man, I am so proud of you guys. 
man, I love you guys so much. And I am loving this journey that we're on in life together. And I'm just so excited. And I've, I've seen you grow so much as we've journeyed together in this thing called life. And I got a few more things to tell you. Let's, let's get those elbows up, you know, power from the hips, swing. And this is going to be great, you know, and I love doing this. And I want to make something very clear as we go through this morning. I'm not the dad in this scenario, okay? I'm not up here saying, guys, I'm going to tell you how to be a better player. Uh, this, I think God has something he wants to say to us. The topic that I want to talk to you about is very much for me. Uh, as it is for you. So I just kind of get the privilege of being his mouth for a few minutes. Um, and so we together, uh, we want to just hear from God this morning as he loves on us, encourages us. And uh, yeah, so that, that's kind of what we're headed. <clears throat> Why don't we pray? Yeah. And ask God to do that. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for your great love for us, that wherever we are at in our journey, that you are just so excited and so proud of us. You have just a tremendous love for us. And God, we just ask that you would speak to us this morning, open our hearts to hear from your word, and may your Holy Spirit just do the teaching. We thank you for your presence here. Just speak to us this morning, we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you read through the books of the New Testament, I find that there are really three major themes. Now, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of topics, a lot of ground covered in the letters in the New Testament. But I find there's kind of three major things, and almost everything else falls under somewhere in one of those categories. The first one that you'll notice, a huge theme in the Bible, is about God's incredible love for us, right? This is, it's huge. And a lot of the letters, uh, the, the books in the uh, New Testament talk about this great love that God has and what he's done as a result of that love and what the actions of his love have meant for us. What he's done for us, what, he's done, what he has done for us, what he is doing for us, and what he will do for us, all because of his incredible love for us. So it's a huge topic. There's so much in the Bible that talks about this. And so we spend a lot of time here at New Life talking about that topic, and rightfully so. It's such a huge thing. I don't think we'll ever fully understand, but our desire is that we would grasp and understand how great the breadth, depth, you know, the the size, the enormity of God's love for us. It's a lifelong pursuit, and we will continue to do that. Um, So that's, that's one of the major themes, God's love for us. What flows directly from that Uh, Another major theme in the Bible, as we read about God's love for us, is our response to that love. What do we do with that? And what God desires is that we would love him back. And see, this all starts with our, our acceptance of Jesus. We respond to the incredible love that God had for us, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, so that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, right? So God's incredible love for us, he sent his son, demonstrates the love that he has for us, and so our response to that is to love him back, and we do that by receiving his son, by believing in the one that God sent, his son, Jesus Christ, and as we believe in him, that's, that's how we love God. He says, this is the love of God, that you believe in my son, Jesus, and so that's where it starts, this incredible relationship 
He, he loves on us, and we respond by loving him back, accepting Jesus, and placing our faith in him. And then the Christian life isn't about, well, we've, we've, we love Jesus, we've accepted him, and now we're going to do our best for him, but it's a continued dependence and trust in Jesus. That, as we, our, our love for him is expressed as we depend on him each and every day. And so that, that is a huge topic in the Bible, and we spend a lot of time, a new life, talking about that because of that, that Christian life that's lived in dependence upon Jesus. That's our response in loving God. He loves us, we love him, and we express that and live that out practically by living a life of dependence on him. So obviously we spend a lot of time talking about that, and that's right that we do that. But the third main theme that the Bible spends a lot of time talking about. Uh, And it's not separate from the first two, but flows again directly from it. The natural result of God expressing his love to us, showing us his love, us believing in Jesus and loving Jesus, the natural result from that, the next major theme, is how we treat each other. Have you seen that in the Bible? There is a lot in the New Testament that talks about how we treat each other. Apparently, it's very important to God. He cares a lot about how his kids treat each other and how we love each other. So God loves us. We love God. That is, we accept Jesus. He becomes our new life. And out of that, as a response to that, we love one another. 1 John 3.1 says, And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son. Sorry, no, reading the wrong verse. First John 3, 1 says, See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God, and such we are. So there, God loves us. And as a result, we get to be his children. First John three twenty three, And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. So there's the next two. So God loves us. His commandment then in response that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus. But then thirdly, that we love one another just as he commanded us. Approximately 16 times in 1 John, in some way or another, he talks about loving each other. 16 different times. Four times it explicitly says, love one another. Again, very important to God how we treat each other and that we love one another. So we want to spend a little bit of time talking about that. Uh, As a parent, I can very much relate to God's desire uh, in seeing his kids love each other. I don't know if you've experienced this, if you're a parent. I love seeing my kids love each other. It's sometimes feels like few and far between, sometimes not. I mean, they fight like crazy. They love getting on each other's nerves and poking each other. But man, when they genuinely show love for each other, it melts my heart. Uh, I love seeing them serve each other. Uh, again, different times it happens more than others, but regardless, it, it brings joy to my heart. And I, I think that's just a little glimmer, a glimpse of how God feels and how he delights in seeing his kids love on each other. Uh, so I, I, yeah, I think we get a little taste of that. So again, I just want to say this morning, this is not daddy giving us a spanking for being poor at this, okay? Uh, I just think we can get even better at this. I want to be better. Hebrews 10, 24 says, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. See, it's 
It's good. God wants us to think about how we can love each other even better, how we can uh, do good deeds towards one another. In 1 Thessalonians 3.12, may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all men, just as we also do for you. See, God desires us to increase and abound in love for one another and for all men. This is his desire for us. I thought uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 to 10 really kind of captured, I think, my heart, which I realize, I think, is God's feeling towards us. So I want to say this to you guys as encouragement. Now, as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write uh, to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. For indeed, you do practice it toward all the brethren who who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren to excel excel still more. See, this is what I think. God, he's like, guys, you guys are awesome. You guys love each other. And I've seen it. And guys, I've I've seen it. I've seen it in this church. I, I know so many of you. Some of you I don't know. And I'm looking forward to getting to know. But it has been a real privilege uh, in the friendships that I've been developing with some of you, as we've seen uh, since January, since we've been uh, doing new life, seeing each other, love on each other. I've seen it through uh, support groups and I've seen it through connect groups. I see it through the heart of the people preaching up at the service. I see it from the worship team. I see it, people in conversations and praying for one another out having coffee. Man, that's awesome. That is what this is about. Loving God and loving others. And I think God just wants to say, oh, and, and let's excel even more. We're doing it. Let's let, and yet let's, let's abound more. There's still more love. And so let, let's do that. So this is kind of like my attempt this morning about thinking how to stimulate one another to even more, how to excel even more. That's a good pursuit. So I want to go back to 1 John 3.23. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. So here in this one verse, twice he uses the word commandment. Elsewhere in the New Testament, he'll use the word instructions. See, we are commanded to love one another. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when you hear the word commandment, when you spend a lot of time studying grace and you hear words like command, I command you this, or here's some instruction, it's easy to get our back up. We get a little uncomfortable. Say, oh, hold on a second. That kind of sounds a little bit like law, isn't it? Are you giving me law? I thought, I thought we're in grace, you know, new covenant. And so I want to just spend a little bit of time before we go on looking at the difference between old covenant commandments versus new covenant commandments. There is a difference. And it's very important to understand the difference because it is tempting to read a lot of the New Testament instructions and commandments like it is the old law system that we used to be under. See, in the New Testament, if, as you read it, there are a lot of do's and don'ts, right? There's a lot of instructions about our behavior and what that looks like. So there's two wrong responses that I think is very common to when we, when we approach that, when we, when we see it. And the first is to treat them like the Old Covenant commandments. Under the Old Covenant commandments, we were required to follow them in our own strength. Do you hear that? It was up to us. There's the commandment, now do it. (laughs) And if we succeeded, 
we're blessed. If you failed, you're punished. Death. Okay, that was the old covenant. It was up to you and me and our own strength in order to do it. Very different than new covenant commandments. See, new covenant commandments and instructions are exactly that. They're in the context of the new covenant. See, God does not want us to try and follow them in our own strength. In fact, he knows that we can't and we're not intended to. See, something incredible has happened and we've spent a lot of time talking about this. So this is a bit of review, I know, but he has given us Jesus. He is in us and we are in him. We are one with him. He's joined our life to him. We are in union with him. So we have an incredible abundance of grace. That is his ability available to us. And that grace, his ability that he makes available to us is available to us for everything pertaining to life and godliness, 2 Peter 1.3. See, he wants us to live in dependence upon him. New covenant commandments and instructions are not something we are to strive and achieve in our own strength. In fact, we can actually read new covenant instructions as a description This is what this is going to look like as Jesus lives his life through you. As you depend on me, let my ability, my grace live through you. This is what this is going to look like. Totally different. Do you see the difference versus old covenant commandments? So let's take an example. When the new covenant in the the New Testament says, don't practice immorality or work hard at your job. See, he has given us the grace and the ability through faith in Jesus to do that. We can't do it, but he can. And here's the amazing thing. He never asks us to do anything that he doesn't equip us first to do. Do you hear what I'm saying? He doesn't ask you to do anything that he then won't equip you and give you what you need to accomplish it. That's the difference between grace and law. Law, it's all up to you and me. New covenant instructions... He says, here it is. This is what it looks like. Now trust in me. And this is what it's going to look like. Let's do this. I will provide you with everything you need. So it's, it's not just don't practice immorality. It's, it can be read more like you won't be immoral. Do you, see, do you hear the difference? You will work hard at your job as you trust in Jesus. This is what will happen as we trust in Jesus and allow him to live his life through us. This is what it looks like. So when he tells us to love one another, it's no different. So we need to remember that it's not up to us to figure out how to do that. It's not following some program or simple steps. Okay, so here's how I'm going to love Mike. Or you, you get picked on a lot for sitting in the front row. You haven't moved to the back, so I take that as permission, okay? <laughs> See, I don't have to read some pamphlet and then, okay, this is how I'm going to do it. And No, it's not up to me to figure that out. It's not up to you to figure out how we do that. See, Jesus is love. And where is Jesus? He's in us, and we are in him, and he is love. So that means we get to be the very expression of his love to one another and to the world. It's not us trying to be like Jesus. It's not us trying to imitate his love and 
put on a show for the world and say, this is what Jesus looks like. No, we get to actually express his very life through us. People will actually encounter the love of Jesus through you and me. Isn't that incredible? Absolutely incredible. See, as Ross shared last week, as the church, he is our head, but we get to be the hands, feet, his mouth, ears. See, we get to participate in Jesus expressing his love to his bride and all the world. And this love, it's not like any other love you've ever seen before. The Greek word for it is agape. It's God's love. It's the word used exclusively for God's love. It's not like the world's love. It's unconditional. It's always looking out for the best of the person who is loved. It's agape love. And we get to agape each other. And so our motives are different under grace. See, under law, we were trying to measure up. We were trying to be a good Christian, look good. You know, we, 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 we care very much about appearance under the law, right? As long as it appears that I'm meeting the standard, then that's good. But see, under grace, our motives for loving each other is totally different. It flows from desire. We desire to love one another because that's his desire. He loves you and he desires to express his love to each other and the world. And so that becomes our desire. We want to do it. It's natural. The natural fruit of maturing in Christ is to love others. We love because it's our nature to love now as new creations, as children of God. We love because that's what we were made to do. Do you hear that? That's what we were made to do. See, when we love each other, we're fulfilling one of the greatest purposes for why we were here, why God made us in the first place, to love God and to love others. See, the world is trying to offer all kinds of uh, options as to what it is that will bring fulfillment, what it is that is the greatest purpose. And everyone has their own ideas about what that is. And I'm telling you, God says that one of the greatest purposes that I have created you for, where you will find true fulfillment and and purpose in your life, is in loving others. As you receive love from me, love me and love others. See, we weren't created to spend our whole lives looking how to fulfill our own desires. And again, it's so contrary to how the world works. It's all about, the world is all about making sure that you're taken care of. You know, take care of yourself. Meet your needs. Whatever feels good, just do it. And see, we weren't created to live like that. It doesn't satisfy. That doesn't last. We weren't meant to merely take care of ourselves. In fact, ironically, the more we focus on ourselves, the less fulfilled we will be. Have you, have you guys found that? I have found that. The greater you pursue the world's pleasures and wealth and self-consumption, and pursue, the more you focus just on yourself, the less happy you are. I've, I've discovered that, and it's totally biblical. It's just not how we were created to live. We're less content. We have less joy. So if we are willing to let go of our lives, trusting Jesus, 
looking to him to fill our needs. You know, instead of looking to others in the world, that's when we'll find contentment, fulfillment, lasting peace, lasting joy. Matthew 16, 25 says, For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. See, whatever we're hanging on to, whatever we're looking to to find us life is actually going to bring us death. If it's anything other than the person of Jesus Christ. But if we let go, if we exchange what we're calling life in exchange for Jesus, then we find it. We find life. That life is in Jesus. And Jesus said, whoever believes in me from your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. So for me, what that's that's saying is this, this eternal life that we have, which fills and satisfies, also flows out. It's not just for you. It's for others. Rivers of living water that others can come and experience. Philippians 2, 4 says, Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interests of others. And see, guys, this is as much for us as it is for them. Our motive isn't for us, but we actually get to benefit from it as we put others ahead of ourselves, as we look to serve others and love each other. That's how we find fulfillment and contentment and joy. So I want to look at some verses. We certainly don't have time to go through the whole New Testament and what it talks about, what it looks like, loving each other. But I want to look at some highlights. How are we doing for time? Okay. Colossians 3, 9 to 16. This is a little bit long, but bear with me. So again, this is describing some of what it's like to love one another, how we treat each other. He says, do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free man. But Christ is all and in all. And so, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So, some very obvious things about what does it look like to love one another. Well, don't lie to each other, it says. Um, I think part of this includes don't be fake. Don't be fake with each other. Don't wear masks. Don't pretend. Be real. Be truthful. See, it's not 
who we are to lie. It's not who we are to fake it. See, our nature, who we really are, is like Christ now. We are in him. So, of course, we're going to express his character as we depend on him. And what's cool about this, because we are all in him, it says we're all equal. Regardless of race, culture, gender, wealth, we are all equal in Christ. Remember that. Regard each other with equality, for we are all in him. And he goes on, and what he said was, because we are chosen of God, kids, his kids that are holy and beloved, and Christ is in us. See, Jesus is compassionate, right? We know that. So guess what? Who also is compassionate? You are. You might think, oh, I don't always act very compassionate. No, but it's who you are. Jesus is compassionate, therefore you are compassionate. We get to be the expression of his compassion to each other and to the world. Jesus is kind. You're kind. I'm kind, because he is. So we get to express his kindness. Jesus is humble. You see, all those things that sound like instructions and commandments telling me, oh, I have to be kind, I have to be humble. I want you to start hearing it and reading it differently. When you read those instructions, remember, Jesus is kind. Jesus is humble. So therefore, I'm humble. So I get to express his humility as I depend on him. Jesus is gentle. Do you struggle with acting gentle sometimes? You know, it's your nature to be gentle, though. Your new heart in Christ. We get to express his gentleness Jesus is patient, infinitely patient. And oh man, I got to tell you guys, sometimes I am, I do not act very patiently. And so it's so important for me to remember, I am patient because I have Jesus. He is all the patience I need and he is one with me. And I get to, I get the privilege, you and I get the privilege of expressing his patience as we depend on him. I love how the verse says it, bear with one another. It very much ties in with being patient. You know, sometimes we're going to get on each other's nerves. We're going to do things that rub us the wrong way a little bit, you know? <laughs> he said, just bear with one another. You can do that because Jesus is like that. He will give you the ability. He is patient. Don't give up on each other. Bear with one another. Forgiving. Jesus is forgiving. That's how we can forgive. That's a huge topic, and you could spend weeks on it. We've talked about it before, but so I'm just touching on these, I know. But we can forgive others because we have Jesus. He gives us the ability. We get to express his forgiveness. And see, as we love, as we agape each other, the Bible says this creates a bond of unity. We get to experience that unity, what what God intended for his church to be like. It's united in love. He goes on and gives some more instruction. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. I think what he's saying here is to be intimately acquainted with Jesus and his word so that we can serve others with it. With wisdom, we can teach and admonish one another. So it's so important that we walk intimately in, or intimately acquainted with Jesus and his word, not just for us, for others. 
that we can help one another, teach and admonishing with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We get to do some of that here. I think that's what the worship band is doing some of these times. I don't know about you guys, but so often I'm ministered to through the words of the songs, through maybe one of the, the people at the front, what they say. It's, uh, it's beautiful. We get to do that together. That's all loving each other. So you guys following me so far? We're good? So I just keep checking the time. When you've seen me do this, the clock's there. So we're doing all right. 1 Thessalonians 5, 14 and 15 says, And we urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all men. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all men. So he says there to admonish the unruly. It really means to caution, warn, reprove gently. We get to do that for each other. Some of us are more unruly than others, but we get to reprove gently. We get to encourage the faint-hearted. Is there anybody faint-hearted this morning? We should be drawn to the church. We get to be a place that offers encouragement to each other. Help the weak. And be patient with all men. I've heard that one before, right? He says that many times. Be patient with each other. Apparently, we require a lot of patience. <laughs> Don't repay evil with evil. As tempting as it is, man, you just want to get that guy back. He says, always seek after that which is good. See, guys, we can't do this in and of ourselves, right? This is, we need Jesus for this. Here's the good news. We have him. Everything we need to be like this, we already have in Jesus. So as we trust and live in him, this is what it looks like. Galatians 6, 2 says, Bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. What I hear when I read that verse is, we get to carry each other. The line from one of my favorite U2 songs, I confess, but it's, it's biblical. And see, so you could read that as a burdensome commandment. Oh, I have to help carry my brother's burdens. No, we get to. It's a privilege. We get to be the expression of Christ's love. We get to bear one another's burdens. And the way that's going to look is very different through each one of us. We each have different giftings. We each have different ways that God has equipped us and unique personalities. And so it's going to look very different run from each other. We could do it through prayer. We can do it through words of encouragement. We could do it through acts of service. There's so many ways that we can bear one another's burdens. We get to do that. Galatians 5, 13 to 14 says, Through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's what the love of Christ looks like as he lives through us. Not merely looking out for our own interests, not merely looking to serve ourselves. And so guys, like I said, there is tons of scripture that gives instruction description of what this looks like, but I want to take a quick moment and ask you guys, how have you experienced the love of Christ from the body of Christ? How have your brothers and sisters ministered to you the love of Jesus? So think about it for a second. 
Would you be willing to share? And the point of this isn't to, it's not, the point of this is to help paint the picture, kind of going back to what I was saying. There's so many different ways that we can experience the love of God from one another. How have you experienced the love of God? It doesn't have to be someone in this room. It could be. But how have you experienced the love of God from a brother or sister in Christ? Would you be willing to share? I'm risking some awkward silence here. (laughs) Thanks, Jim. Uh, Just the fact that um, over the years, um, you know, people have come alongside me and been willing to uh, just talk to me about, um, you know, general struggles in life, saying, hey, um, you know, just basically what you're talking about right now, about, you know, we got Jesus, you know, not anything that I was looking for or anything, just as a friend, somebody coming up and saying, hey, you know, don't forget, you know, this is what's going on, or telling me, explaining to me, saying, um, you know, taking the time to talk to me about that and say, um, you know, do you know this? Do you realize this in life? You know, mm. and uh, just, yeah, just kind of reminding or making aware about certain where we stand in Christ and, mm. and things like that, you know, kind of refreshing each other, let's yeah. say. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Thank you. There was one particular weekend that I came to church and I don't even remember what was going on, but I just knew that I, I was upset. And when, um, one of my sisters in Christ came in and said, you know, how are you? And I could barely even, I didn't really want to talk about it. I didn't know how to express it without crying. And so I just kind of, you know, she's like, okay. And, and, um, when I went home later that afternoon, I, um, had to go out the front door and there was this really nice little pot of plants, really cheerful little, um, pot of, um, flowers just waiting for me as a gift on my front door. And with a text that came later that just said, you know, thinking and praying for you and you're having a hard time, not sure about what, but just know you're on our hearts, just praying for you. Mm-hmm. So it just blessed me. Awesome. Beautiful. Thanks, Janice. A couple of months ago, I uh, shared on the Facebook group uh, struggle we were having with our son. And um, I was a little overwhelmed by the number of words of encouragement, the uh, prayer support that we got, and also the private messages that we got, either people coming up to us directly or the private messages to just share their heart in that particular situation or their own struggle or their own walk down the same path that we were sharing. So that was uh, a great encouragement. Thanks, Peter. See, it doesn't even have to be huge gestures. Sometimes it's small. Sometimes it is big. Thanks, uh, Just recently, uh, when my wife and I were on holidays, um, one of my cousins in England, um, we were kind of taken back by the fact that uh, her, one of her daughters hadn't spoken to her 
in two months. There was some kind of a conflict. Uh, we weren't privy to everything that was going on. But um, we um, just spent some time with her, encouraging her and praying with her and seeking God, just seeking the Lord's wisdom in all of this. And um, this is, it's just been awesome because she was struggling. She was angry with God. She had just lost her husband a year ago. Uh, obviously, there were some things going on with the daughter as well. But um, after we had prayed and we were on our way home, we found out that uh, their daughter, her daughter, had finally reached out to her. And then just this past Wednesday, was it? We, um, we got on, uh, not Skype, I'm, it doesn't matter. And we had a chance to talk to her again, and still nothing had really come of that. And again, we just, you know, tried to encourage her and just to trust. Trust that God was at, at work. And again, we prayed and just asked that, you know, seek him and we'll, we'll leave it with the Lord. Well, if we didn't get a call, it was an email. And uh, it's awesome. Uh, they set up a time for next Tuesday to finally meet, mm. to talk. Um, and so it's just amazing sometimes when you kind of least expect it, that, you know, God just kind of comes in there and um, and just, re you can tell, and just her, just in the message she left, that her faith has been renewed, mm. you know, and that she's, she's trusting that through this, her and her daughter can have their relationship back again. Because they're both suffering from the loss of dad and a husband. So um, I just, all the power and praise goes to the Lord for what he's doing. And um, just simply us reaching out and trusting that he's going he's gonna to act. And it, it's happened. And awesome. praise the Lord for that. Awesome. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Love to spend even more time sharing stories of how love transforms, how love impacts. Um, keep doing that. Keep sharing those stories with each other. Um, love is powerful, right? And we get to do that. Thank you for loving each other. Thank you for loving me. It's a privilege to get to love each other, our families. I, I thank you for loving on my kids. Um, I love loving on your families. And so, yeah, it really is a privilege what God has called us to. To love one another. I hope one of the things you got from this morning is that we read those instructions and commandments differently as a description 
of what Jesus through us looks like, as the privilege we have to get to bear one another's burdens, to love one another. See, I believe love is what's going to set us apart from everyone else in the world. It's an amazing thing that we get to actually be the feet, hands, mouth, ears, whatever it is, of Jesus. There's a verse here. John 13, 34, 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love for one another. See, this is what's going to make the biggest difference. This is how people are going to be drawn to God, how they're going to know that we're real, that that God is real. They're going to see him. It's not faking it. It's not we're trying to imitate Jesus. They actually get to encounter him, and we get to encounter him as we love each other. So again, thank you for doing that. You're doing great. Let's excel even more. So let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for the reminder of your incredible love for us and the great privilege we have of getting to express that love to one another. We thank you for equipping us to do it. God, we can't do it on our own. And you don't ask us to. You want us to live a life of just total trust and dependence on you. And as we do that, you will love each other. You will help us love each other. Show us how to do that. Empower us to do it. Put passion in our hearts to do it, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.